in this edition of Hoopsology, Matt and Justin give an update on the latest NBA headlines, such as Patrick Beverly's suspension, our review of Zion Williamson's through his first 100 games, and updated NBA odds provided by Bravada Sportsbook. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of In the Lab with Hoopsology. I am Matt Thomas, joined as always by my good friend, my co-host, Justin Goodrum. Justin, how are you doing and how was your Thanksgiving? Good, man. Uh, great Thanksgiving. Very relaxing. Uh, can't complain. Very low-key. How about yours? Yeah, same here. Can't complain. Had a, a nice turkey day and then the next day got to go to our alma mater UNM Lobo basketball game, um, which was uh, was a lot of fun to be back in the pit after a few years being away. Really I hadn't bet. seen them <laughs> since before. You know, they had that weird season in Lubbock during COVID times and whatnot. So good to be back in the pit for that game. So fun times. Lots to discuss today. Uh, we are going to be mentioning some betting odds just for interest in these topics Uh, Just kind of adds a little bit of perception of some of the things that we're talking about. So for that, we will go to bovadasportsbook.com is where we're referencing these odds from, just so you guys know. And we're going to start off today, you know, we've had a lot of talk because it is interesting. And and I always kind of feel like a hypocrite because I'm like, oh gosh, we're talking about the Lakers, we're talking about the Nets. Ugh. So you know what? Today we are starting off. We figured we had better start off with just how dominant the Celtics have been. They have even now separated themselves slightly from the Bucks in the Eastern Conference. So the Bucks were kind of leading the way out the gates, and the Celtics have played a few more games than the Bucks. They are now at a 17 and four record here in the Eastern Conference, and. Um, one thing of note that everyone has been bringing up is the Celtics have a historically high offensive rating, actually highest in NBA history by quite a few points, I believe by over five points compared to the second greatest offensively rated team in history. Um, so very interesting to me because I, I don't think of the Celtics as an offensive juggernaut. Um, known especially last season when Robert Williams came on really hot, uh, when Marcus Smart won Defensive Player of the Year, kind of known more as a defensive team, at, at least in my mind. And uh, they they are just kicking butt. I mean, that, that's really all there is to say. Um, <clears throat> was listening to Brian Scalabrini break it down on Zach Lowe's podcast and was saying, really, it's it's not a huge change in scheme from what he is seeing, but it is just continuity and the ability of all five players on the court to be able to be a threat to create off the dribble um, in addition to the excellent shot making that they have going right now. So um, that's what we're seeing with the Celtics. Just really wanted to highlight that because they are kicking butt right now. And to emphasize that, uh, according to Bovada, if you're looking at the team, who's likely to get the most regular season wins right now, minus 150 Celtics are the favorites for that. If you're looking at team most likely to be the Eastern conference, number one seed, once again, Celtics, the favorite minus 300, most likely winner, their division Celtics at minus 1000 in their division. Uh, 
the Brooklyn Nets are the next team in that division. And, and then most likely to win the NBA title right now, the Celtics are the favorite there as well at plus 350. So just to illustrate how dominant they are in the Eastern Conference and the entire league even the suns are below them in terms of accumulating regular season wins justin what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far from the celtics and i know you had a great interview last week that we just dropped today with adam kaufman from the celtics beat um what were your thoughts and maybe just quickly some of his thoughts on the celtics yeah um like you he was surprised of the celtics his offensive um, efficiency um he just mentioned how Really, this team's come together since the NBA Finals. Does <clears throat> that being such a huge letdown? But them, you know, coming together and the leadership of Tatum and Brown really coming to the forefront. I mean, we just saw their record right there. I'm um, only one loss at home. Really solid on the road. That that, that speaks to both their their leaderships and not to mention with Joe Mazzula. I mean, I, I think this team has really been undersold and underrated. Just because you know, going from a coach who is so strict willing to call them out on any mistake to go into a coach from what Adam Kaufman told me. That's a lot more friendlier, I would say, easygoing. And and Adam had a good point. I mean, the Celtics are winning, so it's kind of hard not to be, you know, um, in a jovial mood. But nevertheless, I, I think the, the tone of the team has changed just under Mazzula's leadership, and I think that's been reflected into their record. I have to say I'm not too surprised of their offensive efficiency. I mean, Tatum and Brown are such an offensive force anyways that mm. um, them clicking on all cylinders, I'm not super surprised about that. Um, but nevertheless, just when Robert Williams comes back, as you mentioned, Matt, I think, you know, you have to declare them the, the odds-on favorite to, to win the NBA title once he's returned healthy. Yeah, I think another thing that this shows that I like as an NBA fan and a basketball fan in general is that continuity continuity really can pay off. You've had these guys that have played together for several years, and there is a lot of chaos and change around them. If you look at other rosters around the league, look, the Celtics are topping the East, the Suns are topping the West. Uh, there's a little more chaos in Phoenix right now. And Chris Paul had his injury stuff. I'm still working through that. But those are the teams that are top two in the league. And then right below the Celtics are the Bucks, who, again, uh, a roster with continuity. So that that is paying off. Of course, you have world-class talent on all three of those teams, too. So you need that to be in the top of this league. But uh, I do think there is benefit when you have a team that's been together for four-plus years. These guys have been rolling the ball out together for 82-plus games a year. Uh, and, and I think the Celtics are reaping the benefit benefits of that rightly so um but you know credit to joe mazula I, I would say as well i would echo those sentiments because he's been able to keep the ship steered in the right direction he hasn't allowed implosion in the locker room um i i don't think <clears throat> he'll get a lot of accolades for coach of the year if they are the number one seed i mean perhaps if the dominance continues um, he will get some of that, but I, I just don't see him as coach of the year candidate just with how loaded this roster is and how much of a narrative that is. But uh, I do want to pat him on the back while they are 17 and four and, and kicking butt because um, this is a league that throws coaches under the bus quite often, yeah, as, as you and I both know. <laughs> but yeah, just wanted to give some praise to the Celtics here in our opening segment because uh, they've been playing awesome basketball and it's kind of sort of been like a low-key flying under the radar kind of thing 
um, which also I, I think you brought up this point is is kind of good for the Celtics, given the chaos in the front office that happened over the offseason with the Ime Yudoka controversy, all that kind of nice for them to have a little bit of silence and just kind of everyone acknowledging like, yeah, this this team is awesome. This team's ready to go. Let's see what happens in the playoffs. Um, moving on, wanted to check in real quick with our MVP watch. Justin had picked Luka Doncic for MVP this year. Uh, I had picked Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I don't know, we might have to like put a gimmick on this or something, Justin, like maybe <laughs> uh, when Luca wins MVP, I'm going to owe you dinner or something like that. We'll, we'll see. But uh, checking in with those odds right now, you've got three guys that we mentioned last time we did in the labs. They're shuffled around just slightly, but by the odds, you're going to see how close this race is. You've got Giannis <clears throat> right now as the favorite plus 250, Luca plus 275. So right there. And then Tatum plus 300 so interesting how close i believe last time we spoke tatum was the number one favorite so it's kind of shuffled around a little bit here um and luca has also topped the favorites at a certain point in time this season so um we'll be tied all the way through in fourth place there's a little more separation but steph curry is there he has been having a monster season it's just the warriors record <clears throat> still isn't quite reflecting that or or in sync with that so there's your mvp update for right now i don't think we have much to say other than (laughs) those guys are all still playing awesome moving into our next topic wanted to mention the lakers so we covered celtics we we praised a good team there have been some interesting things with the lakers beyond what we normally talk about this isn't like a russell westbrook roasting session or anything like that anything that we've heard ad nauseum so Wanted to mention because it's it's been an interesting week. So the Lakers in their last four have gone two and two. So compared to the rest of their season, pretty good news, right? But those two wins were against the Spurs. Um, so take that with a grain of salt. Spurs, not great this year, uh, just to, to put it bluntly. Um, <clears throat> you have a game um, four games ago for the Lakers where they played the Phoenix Suns. They lose to the Phoenix Suns. Not a huge shock there but we have an incident where i believe the sequence was um ayton got a dunk kind of right in anthony davis's face and sort of let him know about it sort of uh you know pumped his chest a little bit i I don't think anything out of the ordinary of, of what we see when you have like a really physical play um didn't didn't look all that dirty but there there was some noise made you know tempers flare whatever uh so that's kind of the setup they're running back And then Austin Reeves ends up with the ball going up for a layup and uh, just kind of gets blocked slash mauled. I can't remember who by, I don't, I don't believe it was Aiden that blocked his shot, but Aiden ends up with the ball at the end of the play and sort of walks right by Austin Reeves and Patrick Beverly interprets this as Aiden standing over Austin Reeves, taunting him, just sees red charges at him. Um, little like shoulder block kind of wrestling maneuver into the middle of his back. Uh, Aiden had his back turned to Beverly. So even though DeAndre Aiden, a much bigger center, much bigger human specimen than Patrick Beverly, he goes stumbling over Austin Reeves' body and falls on the floor. Uh, the players are separated. Nothing else comes out of it. No, no extra fighting, just tempers rise. Of course, bench is clear. And, uh, 
You have the players separated. Patrick Beverly goes back to the bench. Long story short, he ends up with a three-game suspension. Justin, I just wanted your quick thoughts since this has been everywhere. What what were your thoughts about that sequence? I don't know if you saw the full like five minutes or whatever of, of what happened beforehand and then that play going down, but did you feel like the suspension was justified? Do you feel like Patrick Beverly misread the situation or was he justified in um, st- sticking up for his teammate? Because I think it's kind of like a, interpreted on the Lakers side as like a rally cry for these players. But how do you see it? Yeah, um, I think in terms of both sides of the league and then of the Lakers, um, I hate to be kind of playing neutral, but I think it's a situation of both sides being right in the situation. I think as the league, you can't tolerate that type of um, incident. And so I think a heavy suspension is warranted. At the same time, you have to respect the sentiment of Patrick Beverly in terms of defending um, his teammate there. I mean, especially we've seen athletes. I mean, look what happened to Carl Anthony Towns. I mean, that was a non-contact injury. I mean, injuries can happen at any time. So who knows what it could have happened to DeAndre Ayton? I mean, he trips over somebody. You know, sure. and who knows what could happen in that in that situation? So, I think the league had to come down pretty harshly. At the same time, I think, you know, looking at it, I can see how Patrick Beverly read that situation as an intimidation tactic on his teammate. I, that makes sense to me. Hmm. Did he take it too far? I think he did. Um, but at the same time, he's known for this type of behavior. He's not a major player on this team. So I don't think it's going to hurt the Lakers overall in terms of him sure. being suspended or you know, if somehow the Lakers make the playoffs. Um, if this is factor into you know Beverly, if he gets gains more techs and you know, if there's something where he's kept out of the playoffs just due to his technical fouls throughout the season, I don't think it's gonna be too much of a factor for this Lakers team long term. So I think overall, yeah. uh, there's not gonna be too much consequence other than you know, this will lead to kind of the legend of Patrick Beverly in terms <laughs> of how he is, you know, as a as a player that you want him on your team but you don't want to play against him. Yeah, I actually think for the Lakers locker room, this is actually a great thing. This is um, like just just having a play like this that ignites emotion in that team, I think is a really good positive thing because it's it's felt kind of blah all season long. And so it does feel like one of those moments that can change things. Now, having said that, I, in looking at the replay several times, it doesn't appear to me that Aiton is taunting Austin Reeves when, when he goes over, like he's, he's not looking at him, like making eye contact. He's not um, flexing over him. He kind of does like the, the ball smack type of thing with the basketball when he, when he um, collects it, but it, it didn't appear to me like a taunting thing. Now it's a, it's a little difficult to tell at that camera angle, but just from what I am able to see, it looks like Aiton was just kind of being goofy and a lot of Suns fans will tell you that they want him to be more of like a taunter and an instigator. They want him to be a little bit more riled up than he actually is by nature. He's a little bit more um, aloof and and passive at times. Um, so I just don't think he was taunting. I think Patrick Beverly misread the situation, but I, I will still stand by what I said in terms of like trying to ignite that locker room and, and increase camaraderie on that team. I think it's actually a net positive. And I think Patrick Beverly's three game suspension is already up at this point since they played the Spurs twice and the Pacers since then, but yeah, an interesting situation. A lot of people 
really freaked out about it. I think maybe more than what was warranted, but that's that's what tends to happen. I, I do agree with uh, the suspension, though, and, and I agree with what you said there. I mean, you you have to, you know, throw the book at, at a player that does that in, in the middle of a game. But I'm glad it didn't come to fists. Um, best thing the Lakers have going for them right now after these recent games, you know, they got a little bit of momentum back. They've seen recently Anthony Davis bring things back, but then also have some injury concerns himself. So it's been a little up and down there. Best news they have right now per Bovada is the plus 120 odds for six man that we discussed last time we were looking at all the rewards for Russell Westbrook to win six man of the year. He's still the favorite at this point. Um, Did want to mention too this Pacers game just briefly because the Lakers had a 17 point game, uh, the 17 point lead with about 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And they blew it to a Pacers team that, you know, was one of those teams we talked about. I mean, they're fourth in the East right now to their credit, but one of those teams that we had talked about as like a tanking target type of team and uh, rookie Andrew Nembard hit the game winning three point shot at the very, very end of the game to put them on top 116 to 115, but blowing a 17 point lead in the fourth quarter, not great. Maybe undid some of the momentum, if any, that Patrick Beverly generated by uh, running Aiden over. So any other thoughts on Aiden before, or I'm sorry, on the Lakers before we change topics here? Uh not too much. Just our guests. I mean, they continue. You know, Jordan Liggins and Josiah um, Johnson. You know, huge Lakers fans just continue just to, you know, suffer just because of this Lakers team <laughs> yeah. uh, not performing up to expectations. So for for their sake, I hope they turn it around. We'll see. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I almost feel like guilty bringing it up. You guys will hear an interview in the next couple of weeks here where there, there's just some, some Lakers anguish, like clearly uh, with yeah. one of our guests and uh, you know, you feel bad, even though that's not my team. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you don't want people having a bad season, having a bad time watching their team, of course. Um, even if it's a team with a lot of success, like Lakers and Celtics, um, so moving on, <clears throat> Justin, you brought this article to my attention, so I want to throw it to you. But um, Zion Williamson, over the past 100 games, um, he has now played his 100th game as, as a basketball player in the NBA. And um, what do you have for us from that? And I believe it's the ESPN article, correct? Yeah, correct. Uh, written by Andrew Lopez, so credit to him. And really some interesting stuff over his <clears throat> first 100 games. I mean – Really, in a way, Zion's kind of the the player of the pandemic era. I mean, I remember hmm. just um, it might be too much information, but I was you know dating my girlfriend at the time, and um, I remember I think it was his debut um, with the Pelicans, and I think he he got hurt or something happened um, during his his, uh, his first game with the Pelicans, and hmm. I think he came back. He had a slow start, but he ended up having a pretty solid game, and. There's a lot of hype, a lot of just um, intrigue around him, and then he suffered his injury woes. The pandemic happens, and everything goes down. But you know, looking at these stats, I mean, it's quite phenomenal considering what he's gone through, all the issues with his weight, and Andrew really tabulated all this information. I just wanted to relay to yourself, Matt, and to our viewers and listeners. Um, it says that Williamson is averaging about 25 points in, on 60% shooting for his career. Um, no player to debut um, during the shot clock era 
has ever averaged those numbers through the first 100 career games. In fact, the only players with those numbers over any 100-game span in the shot clock era has been Charles Barkley, Shaq, um, Kevin McKellen, Will Chamberlain. So that's a huge company. Um, wow. Williamson is um, is the 12th player in the NBA history uh, with 2,500 points in his first uh, 100 career games. So he's at um, 2,524 points currently as of the record of this podcast on November uh, 29th. Mm-hmm. Um, He's the first player to pull it off since Michael Jordan. Um, others, again, great company. Um, Will Chamberlain, Walt Beverly, Oscar Robertson, um, Rick Barry, Elgin Baylor, among others. Pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, Williamson has 42 um, career games with 20 points within the restricted area. Um, no player to debut over the last 25 seasons has done it over 10 times through their first 10 through their first 100 career games. Uh, Williamson has scored, um, let's see, because it looks like here, um, just looking at the stats, um, he has 54 career games with 25 points and 50% shooting, and that's tied with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He has 98 games with at least 10 points, um, and he has um, scored at least 20 points in 83 of his first 100 games. Um, that's most of any player through their first 100 games since Jordan. So pretty incredible. I think, you know, we've been hard on him. I've been hard on him just in terms of, you know, all of his injuries, his weight issues. But, you know, these stats tend to point to him being the real deal. Such a tremendous amount of hype from him coming out of college, um, his college season being cut short due to injury. But, you know, when he's out on the court, he produces. Uh, what do you think about these stats? And do you think this is a, a good sign in terms of him being a long-term investment from the Pelicans? Or do you think, you know, despite these stats, I mean, the injuries happen. I mean, and that was mostly, I mean, injuries are never, I mean, we, it's I think it's unfair to often, you know, blame players for injuries at the same time. We've heard many experts, many uh, players that, you know, have had far more knowledge than us say that his weight has been an issue and mm-hmm. these injuries. So do you think overall um, it, these stats, you know, tend to point into a positive direction for Zion's career? Or do you think we should take his injuries into account in terms of projecting his future? Yeah, well, I think if you are a small market franchise like the New Orleans Pelicans, I mean, for for a while there, I was on the side of maybe you try and unload Zion, like during that period of time when he was having a lot of injury issues. But when you are seeing yourself compared to greats like Jordan, like Will Chamberlain, and you are a small market franchise like the Pelicans, who, just to be blunt, I mean, don't tend to bring in a lot of free agents, a lot of big names. I think you have to roll the dice with Zion and just hope that you get good luck with the injuries, hope that he can stay healthy and uh, live up to that potential. And and I think ultimately, you know, long story short, we all know that Zion needs to be there for the playoffs. We We haven't seen him really spend all that much time in the playoffs just yet. He missed the playoffs last year uh, in spite of the Pelicans being competitive with the Phoenix Suns would have been interesting if he was uh, uninjured and ready to go would have been interesting to see how he could have changed that series. And then maybe the Suns get upset before they even go and uh, get upset by the Mavericks in that next series. Um, So I think, you know, Zion is still incredibly young. He's obviously talented. Um, I've had more opportunities to see him play. 
since the injuries injury issues kind of piled on and since he's come back and he is scary if if you're playing against him i mean the way he just kind of um can dominate the lane can create his own space just by his physicality and it sort of reminds me of when charles barkley was really athletic um like on the philadelphia 76ers that sounds like a dig i didn't mean that like a dig on charles barkley he was very athletic on the suns and part of his time on the rockets too but um but the way what i mean is like that low center of gravity type of player since he's he's not a giant in terms of height but he's got weight and musculature can dominate those rebounds in spite of being shorter than other guys around him kind of reminds me of Charles Barkley in terms of that potential, but has the potential here to, you know, based on those players you're comparing him to and what those numbers say uh, be even greater than that. What I want to see is that sustained success. And, um, and I do wonder how much the statistics are impacted by him getting lots of periods of rest between uh, those bouts on the court, but all in all, you have to be encouraged. So apologies for the long, drawn out answer there but please give me your zion thoughts yeah just real quick i've always been impressed with zion i think we are very similar i this season is critical and not so much to the pelican's success but just if zion can just play the majority of games and produce up to what him and the organization has for him if that happens i think there's a lot of optimism even if they get bounced in the first round i know that seems can i um, contradictory but I think him as having a solid season where he's mostly healthy I think that's going to really really help him and get him into a, a consistency to where um, he can grow confidence because I, I think we saw a similar situation with Steph Curry just with his ankles and I think there's a lot of speculation yeah. as if is, is he going to be a bust what's going to happen with him and he really turned it around so I think with Zion, Zion, there is precedent here um, for him to follow in Steph's footsteps. I mean, you take a look at what Curry's doing now. It's pretty incredible. So I think this season for the Pelicans, I know they have a lot of expectations. It's based on last season, um, them overachieving and with Zion returning. But I, I think just for their long-term success, um, if Zion can just keep this pace of you know playing consistently, and you know not suffering a a massive injury i think that's going to bode well for his career and if you guys are hot on zion i mean per bovada i found it interesting that he has both the same mvp and most improved player odds at plus fifteen thousand on each of those i think we had talked a little bit about him being maybe like kind of that comeback player narrative for most improved players so if you like that narrative (laughs) you can get him at really good odds right now um and uh yeah i think uh sky's the limit for zion i mean if if he can keep his health i i hope yeah that he absolutely does have a resurgence like steph curry that'd be great for the league overall certainly great for that franchise last topic we wanted to hit for today was an interesting thing that came up about referee tony brothers um and I, i saw this press conference i believe with spencer dinwiddie when this happened back on november 4th um where spencer dinwiddie was just kind of outraged and i I don't want to misquote or anything like that i don't remember exactly what he said but referred to an official um 
using some foul language directed at him. I don't know if we want to get into terminology here or anything, Justin, right. but um, <laughs> I believe you had an update on that from Mark Stein. Do you still have that pulled up? Yeah, I do. Um, he has reported that um, Tony Brothers um, will be suspended um, for one game, um, and that's reported by Mark Stein. So he will be suspended uh, for one game. He will get a punishment uh, just based on those actions. <clears throat> and pretty just unusual because I find that usually the league sides with the referees mostly mm. in terms of more of an off-the-court incident, not in particular in terms of like a calls or anything, but more in terms of like any kind of other um, transgressions outside of like the, the field of play, so to speak. So um, I'm glad the league took this this action because I think it's just highly inappropriate for a ref to do this. And to me, I think one game is too light. I think refs are should be held to a higher standard. I think you should be suspended at least five games. I just think mm. you, as you as a referee, you, you have a duty to uphold the game, and you can't get down to the player's level. And mm. for him to do that, I think – um, calls into question, you know, his refereeing for future Dallas Mavericks games. I mean, who knows? I mean, we've heard all kinds of stories about the different NBA players about how different refs have different biases against them, and this doesn't play into that. This kind of proves that narrative correct. So, mm-hmm. um, especially where with other players, I mean, if you, they, they even mention, you know, they say say something negative about a ref, they're suspended and fined immediately. So, mm-hmm. to me, I think that the referees should be held to a higher standard if you're just going to punish players and coaches for just you know criticizing the officiating all the time now uh just for clarification the language from the league initially was that they sat tony brothers for one game i don't know if they used the term suspend they sat that's correct that's mark's um i hear it sidelined um you know i heard suspended i mean i mean i, I think it's isn't it like tomato tomato i mean they're the league is I, not- I think they made the distinction that it it wasn't termed a suspension interesting Um, okay like so that implies to me anyway less punishment just like kind of like hey take a break for a game let's let's talk this out or whatever i I don't know um it's it's a little confusing no you're right and it says here i'll read the direct quote here um i have it it says per stein the nba never announced a punishment because it wasn't a official suspension that came with a missed paycheck Oh, okay. I find that pretty nefarious, and that's from that's from Yahoo Sports. Interesting. Um, so I don't. To me, it's like, why don't you just officially just suspend him? I don't understand. I don't. It almost know. makes I mean, it a bigger story. It does than uh, than it would be otherwise. And uh, to to get back to the issue at hand, I, I think yeah. um, I'm with you in that NBA referees need to be as impartial as possible. And uh, there is a bad history, like back from the early 2000s, the whole referee scandal, uh, Tim Donaghy, I believe, and, mm-hmm. and all that. So um, this is uh, a group that has come into question in the past. Um, the, the swearing doesn't bother me so much as, as the emotion directed towards a player. Um, I, I find it interesting because uh, – and. And I believe uh, maybe you're correct in that the referees should be held to a different standard than the players. But, uh, you know, I, I've sat close to the floor at basketball games and uh, players are running their mouths all of the course. time. You know, of so course. like if it not every player, maybe, but if we were to apply the same rule to players, 
then uh, I mean, we would be bringing tons of dudes up from the G League <laughs> like over and over again. Yeah. Um, but to your point, perhaps they should not be held to the same standard um, as the officials. And I think the concerning element to me is that you lost your temper and, and you did some name calling to a player in the game that you were officiating. I mean, how can how can I think that you can then go back to being impartial when you're willing to say that uh, right to his face? Um, yeah. So it it's definitely an interesting topic. I, I'd be curious to hear if if you guys listening have thoughts on it and how the NBA should deal with the situation. Hoopsologypod at gmail.com. Yeah. Please let us know. Um, the Mavericks are still uh, towards the bottom of the Western Conference, just for frame of reference. They are 11th at 9 and 10. Right now, they've lost their last four games as of the recording of this podcast, November 29th. Um, so interesting uh, to see them still there. But uh, this is a very, very closely tied Western Conference. Let me bring up. Um, so we were praising the Jazz just a couple weeks ago. Or, or even just last week for being, I believe, second in the West, and they've already fallen down to ninth, to, and they have a winning record, mm -hmm. but that's how close your Western Conference is right now. So the Mavs should be able to work their way back up the standings, one would presume, especially with the year Luka is having so far. Um, Christian Wood starting to get more buzz as sixth man of the year. On Bovada, uh, he is plus 500 in third place. Uh, in terms of favorites for six man of the year. So um, that seems to be working well. He seems to be a nice addition to that team. Um, but back to the issue at hand, any other thoughts on Tony brothers as player referee interaction? Um, not really. I think, you know, if this happens again, I think this is going to be more of an issue, but if it's, you know, everybody makes mistakes, everybody's human out there. So um, if this is just a one-off, then, you know, it was, talk about it and life moves on but again sure. this is a trend throughout the, the rest of the league with referees and i think this needs to be revisited strongly so we'll see how it plays out yeah it did i guess the other thing i'll say is it it kind of surprised me in a way that spencer dinwiddie took the time to talk about that in a press conference um but again there there is a difference like you're an official you're not a player you're not going head-to-head -head guarding someone um so i would probably be concerned about fairness of officiating as well if if i was you know uh the target of that uh that phrase that tony brothers used on spencer Dinwiddie there so um those are our topics for today that's in the lab as always uh you guys can give feedback uh shoot us your questions or mailbag topics to hoopsologypod at gmail com that's our email check us out on social media check out our podcast feed our youtube channel getting a lot more views lately a lot more subscribers on youtube really appreciate you guys supporting the show and checking us out um we will be back soon doing this again we have an interview coming up in in just a few minutes here that we're going to get ready for so a lot more content coming your way uh november 29th and Adam Kaufman, uh, some Celtics top talk dropped on our podcast. So be sure to check that out too, if I could talk and say that. Um, so that means it's time for me to go. So for Matt Thomas, oh, see here, another blooper here, Justin. For Justin Goodrum, I am Matt Thomas. 
and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. See you later.